Uh, the first reading is on page 1094 of the Church Bible, and it's from the book of Acts, chapter 2, reading from verse 37 to 47, page 1094. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and almost 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Okay, the second reading is taken from Luke, um, chapter 22, starting at verse 24. Um, it's on page 1058 in the Church Bibles, all behind me. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. For you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer unto you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one to me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, um, I'm going to ask Frank to come up first to pray for him. Thanks, Vicky. Okay. Okay. Father, I just pray that you um, just really put on Fran and let him speak with your authority, Lord. I just um, pray that you fear any nerves he has and that he's able to speak confidently. Comfort, I can't even say it. Speak well about you. Amen. Amen. Sorry about that. Thank you. How's everyone this evening? Good. Excellent. 
just get myself organised. <clears throat> so over the last few weeks, we've been um, we've been what kind of working our way through the Book of Acts. Um, and last week we had a little break, and Mike was sharing um, just a vision uh, for the church and um, how we should all um, put our hands deep into our pockets. And um, so this week it's a bit of um, it's not so not such a um, yeah. Last week was a really powerful message and a really important message, but this week we're kind of back onto the to the book of Acts, and um, we're kind of Acts chapter two. And this evening, we're at the point where the disciples, they've been filled um, with the Holy Spirit. And Peter um, has begun his, um, his, his preaching ministry. He started to preach that Jesus is risen. And at this time today and then, it's still such a powerful message. And such a powerful statement that Jesus is alive and that Jesus has been resurrected. And many of the people who were listening to Peter preach, they had been in Jerusalem 50 days earlier at the Passover and many had heard and even witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus. And the word was spreading fast that Jesus was alive. And my faith, our faith, is all about Jesus. And without the, the amazing, awesome resurrection, we would have no reason to believe in Jesus. I mean, what would be the point? What would be the point of being here this evening? If Jesus wasn't resurrected, if Jesus, Jesus wasn't alive. So it's such an important message that Jesus is risen. And you know, at some points I get, I get frustrated when friends of mine, they, they, they always kind of, they say to me, you're a religious friend, you're a religious man. And I say, I'm not a religious man. My life is, is full of sin. I can't believe that God would use me to share his word. A plonker like me. But then Jesus calls the most unlikely people to share his word. So no, I'm not religious. And religion kind of, it, it, it winds me up a bit. Because, um, you know, I, I just feel that religion causes so much pain, so much war, unrest. You see, for me, the awesome resurrection of Jesus, it's about relationship. It's about relationship with the risen Savior, the risen King. Let me take you to, to Psalms, and you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 17, sorry, Psalm 16. Psalm 
And I'm going to be reading from, uh, from verse 7 down to 11. Sorry, I've got a slightly different version to your one. I praise you, Lord, for being my guide. Even in the darkest night, your teachings fill my mind. I will always look to you as you stand beside me and protect me from fear. With all my heart, I will celebrate and I can safely rest. I am your chosen one. You won't leave me in the grave or let my body decay. You have shown me the path to life and you make me glad by by being near to me, sitting at your right side. I will always be joyful. We see David writing not about himself. As David died and was buried, instead he writes as a prophet who spoke of the Messiah, who spoke of Jesus, who would be resurrected And the people understood this decay to mean the grave. And the emphasis here is that Jesus' body was not left to decay. But in fact, it was brought back to life to be glorified. I love that. Now, just recently, I've, um, I've taken a day off a week to serve on the youth and children's team here at church. And um, what's been really on my heart for a long time is, is to support young boys, young boys who are struggling, either with home life or, um, or with education. And just recently, I've been invited to kind of attend a mentoring scheme at a local school. And a month ago, I met with five young lads um, Five 15-year-old boys, and we talked about their dreams, their aspirations for the future, what are their ambitions, and it was fantastic. I kind of met with them only shortly for about 10 minutes each, and um, all five of them wanted to be professional football players, you know, like every 15-year-old boy. They want, and I, yeah, I said to them, why? Of course, I know why. They want the flash cars. They want the, you know, they want the beautiful girls. They want the footballer's lifestyle. Professional footballers. And this week I was allocated a, um, a young boy who I'm to mentor for the next year. I'm to meet with him for an hour a week for this, for this coming year. And to be honest, I was a bit disappointed. Because I met with these five lads and I picked out one. I said, oh, yeah, I would really love to invest in this kid's life. And I got the email through, and it wasn't the one I'd chosen. (laughs) And I was, you know, I have to be honest, I was really, really disappointed. How dare they? He is not the one I want. He's not the one I want. So I had a bit of a battle with myself, but... 
I kind of went to school this Wednesday and um, I sat down with this boy and we talked, we were really honest with each other and he's really struggling. He's really struggling with life. He's never seen his dad. He's been in trouble with the police so many times. You know, he told me he's moved home so many times he's lost count. His mum goes in and out of relationships and he just hasn't got a stable life. And he's a very angry young man. A really angry young man. And as we, um, as we just, just sat there talking, I was struck by the Holy Spirit. I was struck by how I, wanted, how I didn't want to mentor this guy, but how I got a real sense from the Holy Spirit that, you know, Fran, you're, you don't always get your own way. You know, it's my way, not your way. You know, as we read in that verse in Luke, it's, you know, Jesus first and us last. We carried on talking. And then we started talking. He started kind of sharing with me kind of where he was and um, just how he'd been struggling with school. And we got onto the subjects. And it, for some reason, he started talking about RE. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I said, well, how'd you find RE? Boring. I was like, okay. Like most 15-year-old kids, RE is boring. I was like, oh, okay. And he said, well, I don't really believe in God. I was like, Oh, really? And then I thought, this is my ideal opportunity to speak into his life. And I said, okay, I understand that you don't believe in God. But God believes in you so much. And you are so loved. And as I spent time with this young, angry man, I could see his heart start to soften. And he started to open up. And I could see so much potential in him. And he, you know, he just couldn't see that. He couldn't see the potential that he has. And I was thinking about that in this context. Do you know, Jesus sees so much more in us than we see in ourselves. We put ourselves down all the time. We fill our lives. I fill my life with fear, with anxiety. I'm not good enough. But Jesus looks at us. And he says, you are chosen. I love you just the way you are. And this encounter with this young lad, it kind of, it reminded me of this chapter. You know, so no matter how far away we are from Jesus, or if you're like this young lad, and you don't even believe, Jesus will never turn his back on you. He will never stop believing in you. Do you know, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus. Nothing in this universe can separate us from God's love. And I can say that with confidence because it's in this book, this wonderful book. It's in Romans, Romans 8. And it says this. 
you probably know it. I'm sure that nothing can separate us from God's love. Not life or death. Not angels or spirits. Not the present or the future. Not the powers above or the powers below. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love that Jesus Christ has for us. Nothing. And we see in Acts 2 that that the people had just heard Peter speak and they started to worry. They were scared. They'd just seen Jesus be crucified. Some of them probably were present. They were scared, upset. What should we do, they said to the disciples. And then Peter comes back to them with this amazing verse. In verse 38 to 39. You know, these people had just put Jesus to death. And he comes back to them with this response. So from verse 38, Peter said, Turn back to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. Then you will be given the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. It is for everyone. Our Lord God will choose no matter where they are. I just find that amazing. They're just crucified, the saviour of the world. And he doesn't condemn. He says, I forgive you. Turn back and turn to me. You are forgiven. They nailed him to a cross. He turns back to them and says, Confess your sins. Turn back to me. You are forgiven. Do you know there's no faith in the world that can offer us that in this whole universe? Total forgiveness because of Jesus. His arms are, they're always open no matter how far away we are. No matter what we've said, or what we've done. Jesus never turns his back on us. And it goes on in verse 14, verse 42. Peter told them, he he went on to share many other things about Jesus. The biggest, of course, but that Jesus was risen. And he probably went on to tell about the many miracles that Jesus performed. He probably probably shared his life-changing testimony. Peter's transformation from meeting Christ. We read on and some exciting stuff. They become a family. They meet together. They share life together. They pray together. They become a family. 
And after hearing this message, and I don't think it was a long theological message with trendy PowerPoints and not so trendy and, and fancy worship and lovely coffee. It goes on to say that 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Wow. Why? Because Peter was bold. He was fresh off the blocks. He was excited. He was passionate. But Jesus was risen. He'd been with Jesus. He'd learned from Jesus. You know, the book of Acts is all about sharing our faith in our community. The Great Commission. Making disciples of all nations. Bringing people to Christ in South Sea. And I've talked a lot about this, haven't I? About sharing our faith and being bold. And that's all well and good, but it's tough. But I think what was key to that Peter's sermon was it was life-changing because he declared that Jesus was risen. He shared his personal transformation through Jesus Christ. And all of us here have a story. All of us. All of us here, every one of us, has a story of how God has transformed our lives. I've got some tips for kind of sharing your faith. Because, do you know what? We've all got a wonderful story. And just lately, I've been... I've been amazed by the amount of life-changing testimonies that I've heard from people in this community. So I'd encourage you, gents, to write down your testimony on a piece of paper and put it in your wallet. Girls, put it in your purse. Keep it short. And when the opportunity comes, have it ready to share what God has been doing in your life. And to know your testimony, know your place in God's story. Nick, can you play the music? Thanks. To know your testimony and to keep it short. And to be bold in sharing because all of us have a life-changing story. And I've asked a group of people to come and share just how God's worked in their lives.
just, I don't know why I'm so amazed when I see just transforming stories like this, but I am. But I'm also incredibly encouraged by the, by the way God moves in our lives. I, I had some kind of, you know, I can go on with my sermon, but I just think this says it all, really. These stories are, um, they're life-changing. They're personal. And this is what the world needs to hear. This is what the world needs to know. These life-changing stories of how Jesus works in our lives. And I know we've all got one, haven't we? And just nothing can separate us from the love of God. Thank you, guys. I think I'm going to stop there. But just, yeah, just feel I need to pray. And, um, and this morning I had on my heart when I was praying um, a sense of um, healing. And uh, Victoria, when she was praying for me this morning, she also had that same sense of healing and restoration. So let's pray. Let's pray.